0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You might have been expecting me to be wearing green or white. Last Sunday was Corpus Christi. The Sunday before that was Trinity Sunday. The Sunday before that, Pentecost. Surely, even though the weekdays have been in, quote-unquote, ordinary time, today would have been just... Uh, one of those days when you could have seen me in green, except that tomorrow is June 29th. <clears throat> June 29th is always the solemnity of St. Peter and Paul, the apostles and martyrs. And even when June 29th falls on a Sunday, we celebrate June 29th, just like when December 25th falls on a Sunday, we celebrate December 25th, the solemnity of, always outranks a regular Sunday, not in um, Easter or Christmas time. So, that begs the question, why? Why is it such a big deal? Do they happen to just simply um, get lucky and they're the most popular of saints in the city of Rome? Is that why they get special billing? <clears throat> Actually, not necessarily. The churches of Rome are dedicated <clears throat> To all sorts of different saints, ancient and uh, almost ancient, obviously the most popular saint to whom a church in Rome is dedicated would be Mary, the Blessed Virgin. And the second most popular saint to whom churches are dedicated in Rome is not Peter, it's not Paul, it's not even a bishop, it's not even a priest, but St. Lawrence. But he has no solemnity. Peter and Paul do, and for good reason. If we were in Rome, we would be able to see from a mile away the dome over St. Peter's Basilica, and you could walk and walk and walk, knowing intellectually that you are getting closer to it, and the dome wouldn't be getting any bigger, because you were that far away when you first saw it. Eventually, when you're about four or five blocks away, then it starts to dawn on you, How large and important this place is. And then when you're inside St. Peter's Square, the arms of the square enveloping you, you are dwarfed by the magnitude of uh, of this tremendous church. Why is it such a big church, the largest, the longest church in the world? There actually is a church in Ivory Coast, which is an exact replica of St. Peter's, which has more square feet but out of deference to St. Peter's Basilica, it's not longer. So it's still the longest church in the world. And if you walk in the front doors, you might be able to go about 120 feet, and you'll see these little stars in the floor marking the front doors of different churches in the world, so you can compare how big they would be in relation to St. Peter's Basilica and how we're Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception is the seventh largest church in the world. And so you would see that star and that name well inside the nave. Why such a big deal about this church? Well, let me explain. Saint Peter and Paul have several feast days. The feast day, the principal feast day of Saint Peter alone is the feast of the chair of Saint Peter a day when we honor his authority, the unique authority given to him out of all the apostles. Of all the 12, only he was singularly given the same authority that all 12 of them exercise collectively, which is worth pointing out, the same authority which is given to all the church, all of us collectively, to know the faith, to recognize the truth, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and to be guaranteed that when we are in total unanimity, we are representing Christ. We are conveying to the world what Christ conveyed to us. That authority which the church has collectively, the bishops own as a college of bishops, and the pope uniquely exercises as an individual guided by the Holy Spirit. Not because he's perfect, not because he's the smartest, not because he's the bravest, because at times he's not and he's not even close to being the smartest, or the bravest, or the wisest. Nevertheless, we recognize God's wisdom, not just His providence and making do with uh, the circumstances that don't exactly correspond to his will, but God's wisdom in choosing someone who was not perfect to be the prince of the apostles, to be his vicar, his representative, And so when choosing St. Peter, we already know in this encounter after the resurrection, he is choosing someone who denied him three times. And our Lord could have changed his mind and said, you know what? You're disqualified. Instead, right before it happened at the Last Supper, when our Lord told him, warned him, you're going to deny me. He also told him that you are going to be sifted like wheat, but I am... I pray for you. And when this is all done, your role will be to confirm the brethren. Our Lord knew that Peter would betray him and deliberately chooses him to be the one whose role is to unify us, to unify the apostles, to unify all the believers, to govern the church through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so three times after the resurrection, up at the Sea of Galilee, he asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time using a different verb, which actually corresponds to deeper and deeper forms of love. And Peter says yes, and the second time yes, and the third time totally, totally humbled, if not humiliated. Yes, you know everything. You know that I love you. This is the one to whom our Lord entrusted the care of the church. Peter's weakness wouldn't be totally fixed by the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Even though he maintained the clarity of the truth, the clarity of the teaching that Christ gave to them, he was still weak, sometimes subject to awkward situations and didn't always proclaim uh, the truth. And St. Paul takes them to task at one time very, very publicly. Uh, You can read about that in the bulletin and follow the scripture verses. It's very important to know that even when he made a mistake in his prudential judgment, even when his behavior didn't correspond to the purity of his teaching, he still governs us. He still is the Pope. And in fact, we realize that as much as we might think that the Pope is a figure to be admired or envied we, we realize that he's he's a man to be pitied, and a man who, who needs our constant prayer because of the immensity of the task that he's been given. And so St. Peter, challenged by St. Paul, rose to the occasion and accepted the correction of his brother. And forever the church honors them together. Not only do they have this feast day together, which honors their their martyrdom, even though it happened on different days and probably on different years. They also enjoy a feast simultaneous on November 18th, the feast of the dedication of the basilicas of St. Peter and Paul. Different churches, dedicated on different days, and not in the same year. But for good reason, the church honors both of them simultaneously. They are the, the ones who uniquely received a mandate from Christ personally to teach to convey the grace that they had received and to give it to others. And representing um, representing all of us brought the faith to Jews and the Gentiles to all the world. Their remains were kept sacred. And after they died, the tombs were, um, as, as Christian history, Conveyed generation after generation, their tombs were maintained in such a way that they wouldn't be destroyed by the Romans, because Christianity was not well liked for many, many centuries, but still public enough that the Christian faithful could come there and visit on pilgrimage. That story continued even into the Middle Ages when uh, the ancient Basilica of St. Paul stood in ruins, eventually it would be restored. And the Basilica of St. Peter was actually torn down and rebuilt because it was um, in uh, sorry shape. There was a moment in the 1600, in the 16th century, when a worker who was working on the new St. Peter's Basilica actually fell through the floor and saw a little bit of uh, a room that was lavishly decorated with mosaics. but Afraid to go any further towards what was supposed to be the place where St. Peter was buried, they just simply covered it up and kept on working and finished the basilica that we now see today. In 1939, Pope Pius XI passed away. And his desire was to be interred, obviously he had announced this earlier, um, was to be interred in the crypt of St. Peter's Basilica when you walk in that main floor where those stars are in the middle of the church there's actually a little level you go down a little staircase if you're near the main altar there's four staircases on any given day one or two of them are open and they go down They curve around and it empties out into uh, an area which is accessible to the public but in the 1930s uh, was accessible only to a few people uh, the, the, Clearance was only barely high enough for uh, a modest Italian of uh, the Middle Ages, so not even a modern-day Italian could fit in there. It was dark, it was humid, it wasn't in any way suitable for the public to be visiting. And so Pope Pius XII began an excavation that would obviously not raise the ceiling of the crypt, because the ceiling of the crypt is the floor of the main church, but lowered the floor. And in the process of lowering the floor, digging out more uh, space for the crypt underneath St. Peter's Basilica, discovered not just uh, um, a first century cemetery, but discovered what we know to be St. Peter's tomb. It was a great privilege of mine for many of my years when I was in seminary to lead pilgrims down to the tomb of St. Peter. And as much as as a young man, much of my faith was uh, moved by my parents, uh, my brothers, by the good priests that I had known, by Padre Pio, by St. John Bosco, and by Our Lady of Lourdes and Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Guadalupe. There was a singular event which loomed very, very large in my faith, which was the miracle that prompted last week's feast day, the Feast of Corpus Christi. When that, not quite hapless priest, but when that desperate priest, Peter of Prague, had gone to pilgrimage to Rome to recover his faith, and not having found it, on his way home, stopped in a little Italian town in the north of, uh, of, uh, I believe in the north of Umbria, very clear, very, very near Orvieto, in the midst of mass, found the host bleeding on his hands and on the corporal. It was my time in Rome that deepened my faith even further. There's some details of the story of Peter of Prague which are uh, difficult to verify. But more timeless and more closer to the source of of our faith, Jesus Himself, is the simple fact that St. Peter was a fisherman. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. And our Lord was the one that He was proclaiming to be the Messiah. And it was St. Peter who, under scrutiny, by young and old, male and female, denied him. Said, I do not know him. If our Lord had not been the Messiah, if our Lord had not risen from the dead, Peter already had his escape. He had denied him. He could go back to the Sea of Galilee and resume fishing. There had been many purported messiahs back then. Jesus of Nazareth was not the only one. And when a false messiah was discovered and executed, people just simply went back to what they were doing before. But Peter didn't. Instead, the very one whom he had denied became then one whom he proclaimed To have risen from the dead, to be God himself, and went about not just amidst his familiar surroundings, but to Rome, to the capital of the empire itself, either the most foolish destination, if this is not true, or the most logical place to set up headquarters to try to convert the world. And that's where he died. Saint Jerome tells us that Peter lived in Rome and governed the church from Rome for about 30 years or so. And when he died during the persecution by Nero in the year 64, in the fashion that fulfills what our Lord promised him, which we just heard at the end of John's Gospel, the Christians obviously were able to recover his body and keep his grave known to them, but secret from those who would destroy it. There was a time a little later, at the beginning of the Dark Ages, when uh, Rome was overwhelmed, actually well before the Dark Ages, but towards the end of the, of the, of the Roman Empire. When Rome, having been overrun, prompted the Christians to spirit away the remains of St. Peter and St. Paul and keep them safe in the catacombs of St. Of, uh, Sebastian, San Sebastiano, where you'll to this day see graffiti on the walls left by pilgrims who knew that the bones of the apostles were there and not in the churches uh, or in the um, sarcophagi where they had been interred originally. And so aware of the danger and the, um, the great lengths to which people would go to destroy any remembrance of Christianity. When the bones of St. Peter were brought back to the Basilica, or to what had then become a, uh, a lavish mausoleum, the Christians obviously placed him not in the ground where he had been interred originally, but in a little niche off to the side and when St. Peter's Basilica was erected, the new one in the 16th century, not knowing exactly the reason for that third-century sarcophagus to being uh, for being a little asymmetrical, the new St. Peter's Basilica is built not directly over the middle of that sarcophagus, where the tomb where the bones would have laid originally but are off by just about six inches to be in between the outer edge and the of of each side of the asymmetrical sarcophagus in the 1930s when that excavation began all while Rome is being uh, occupied by Nazi Germany dirt being dragged out and dropped through the empty pockets of the jeans of the excavators. What Pope Pius XII and his crew eventually found were that there were no bones of human beings in that original burial place. But there were bones of a man in his 60s with no foot bones uh, to be found It was wrapped up in purple cloth, in a little niche, in that little uh, addendum that made the sarcophagus asymmetrical. And there's a little piece of graffiti in there. So small that we don't even call it graffiti, we call it a graffito. And it just simply says, Peter is within, Petrus Eni. And so the next time you go to St. Peter's Basilica, or when you get to go there for the first time and you walk up to the middle, and you see the altar right in front of you, and you look down below, you'll see this marble and purple stone, and you'll see that the center of the church isn't directly over the middle of this niche where there's a golden box, inside of which are these these woolen pallia, which the Pope will give tomorrow to every new metropolitan archbishop in the world, but you'll see it's off-center by a few inches standing in between the place where his bones were interred originally and where his bones were interred eventually. Why does it matter? It mattered a lot to a 23-year-old whose father had just died. It matters a lot to a 43-year-old who's your pastor because if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, that tomb would not be there. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, there would be no St. Peter's Basilica. If our Lord had not risen on Easter Sunday, Peter would be an asterisk if we would know of him even at all. He would have gone back and lived and died near the Sea of Galilee where people knew him. Instead, he went thousands of miles away and died trying to proclaim our Lord to the entire world. So it's not just everything that they did and everything that they said and everything that they wrote but even the mere fact of his death in that place can be reason enough for everyone to know that the resurrection actually happened not just the one particular man was convinced of it one madman was deluded but when you see that all of the apostles scattered to the whole world proclaiming this good news, not huddling together like a cult, which is afraid of the world, we can see just in the silence of the magnitude of that dome and of the, of the very, very simple tomb underneath it, that Jesus really is risen. His death and resurrection has changed the world. It is the center of human history. And when we listen to what, the, what these apostles have to tell us and receive the grace that they have the power of conveying to us, our lives will change. And we will become part of this great mission of bringing the message of Christ to the world and bringing his grace to every soul and bringing salvation to every child of God.